Collider says BritBox has TV everyone should be watching. Stream acclaimed series with powerful performances from Jodie Whittaker, Tamara Lawrence, Bella Ramsey and Matthew McFadden. Discover new BritBox original series you won't find anywhere else. Like Three Little Birds, Agatha Christie's Murder is Easy and a new chapter of BAFTA winning drama, Time. Stream what the New York Times calls the best of British telly, only on BritBox. Start a free trial at BritBox.com. At KPMG, we make the difference. It's not just something we say, it's what we do. Our professionals believe in the value of collaboration and the power of technology. We work closely with clients to uncover insights that illuminate opportunity, develop bold solutions that innovate industries, and create better outcomes driven by data. Brighter insights, bolder solutions, better outcomes. It's how our people make the difference, driving growth and value for our clients. KPMG, make the difference. How can a case where they've told us so little be so big, right? This case is just, it seems huge. Mm-hmm. It seems really small on the outside when you, when you look into it and you're like, oh, well, we have a, a, a couple seconds of a video clip of somebody walking on a bridge. We have a couple seconds of some guy talking, saying guys down the hill. Mm-hmm. And then you look into it and you're like, wow, this is a huge huge case and part of that has been i think a lot of a lot of it is due to speculation and we talked about this quite a bit before is right now anytime some some guy does something super violent sexual in nature resulting in murder any of those different things we're seeing them being brought to the forefront of being a possible suspect in the delphi murders case Right, and not just individuals that are arrested in Indiana, but anybody that's arrested that has ties to Indiana. Well, one guy we talked about was Paul Etter. Okay, now he is super interesting for a, a million reasons, but one thing that you and I keep t- keep going back to is mm. DNA. Okay, yeah. so l- early last week, what came out was that the sheriff states that the Delphi murder investigators have requested Edder's autopsy results as well as his DNA. Okay, so this guy was 55 years old. He's dead. He committed suicide after a standoff with police where he was in this standoff with police because he had he had attacked a woman. He abducted her while she was changing a tire on the side of the road in Tippecanoe County, which right. is not terribly far from Delphi. Well, she actually... Didn't she actually like break down right by his house? Yeah, something. The way that the the story works that that I read anyway was that he she broke down on the side of the road right in front of his property right. very early in the morning, like at like four thirty in the morning. Yeah, he offers to help her, and she's she's kind of creeped out by this dude, so she decides, you know, I don't need any help, and just continues on. Well, right, and we, but we make some leaps here. Like one of the things that I've heard was, okay, well, this Edder guy creeped out his victim, and that we we know that Abby and Libby were creeped out enough to take pictures of the guy, bridge guy, 
And so some people make that leap that this girl felt the same thing that Libby and Abby felt. Mm -hmm. He ends up following her and abducting this woman. Eventually, he lets her go after rape and sexual assault. And then the police catch up with Paul Edder because he's driving around in a stolen vehicle. Yeah. After the standoff, he commits suicide. And now we find out that the sheriff's they're saying that the investigators requested his autopsy results and his DNA. And we've seen DNA requests before. And we've we've talked about this before. But to me, this really solidifies for me what I believe there to be DNA. And you say, well, Nick, why are they even questioning? Why are you, Nick, mm-hmm. Colonel, Captain, mm-hmm. why are you, garage idiots, questioning the DNA? Well, we're questioning the DNA because in the beginning, the investigators made it sound as if they had it. And then at some point that went away from their, right. their press releases and from their, what their words that they were choosing to use to the public, it just disappeared. And so then you have to question, is there something wrong with the DNA or did they not have it? Or did they speak, did they speak out before they knew if they were going to have it or not? Yeah. And one of the statements that they made again, that makes me question it where I think would make anybody question it is the idea that they say, look, we're not going to clear anybody. We're not going to do that. We're going to call it checked or, or they've been, we've gone over that person. He's been checked. Yeah. We're not going to say that they've been cleared until somebody's arrested and somebody's convicted. And then the next statement is if they are convicted, right? Meaning that this um, law enforcement officer believes that they might one day arrest somebody, but might not be able to get a conviction. That's what it makes it seem. Now, they might just be playing it safe, and that's fine, and I understand that. But if they're not playing it safe and that statement is a true statement, that makes you question if they have DNA because if you have somebody that you arrest for the crime, you have DNA, plus you have other evidence, why wouldn't this be a slam dunk? Well, and then one thing, too, is we discussed the reasons why you would ask someone to submit their DNA even if you did not have this. You're doing it as a scare tactic, as a way to see if this suspect will squirm right. and, and immediately become uncooperative in your questions and in your investigation. And then you go, well, we should be checking into this guy further because he doesn't want to seem to help us with this double homicide of, of two children. I mean, yeah, you can be guilty of a lot of bad things, but right. nothing as bad as this. So you, you you would think persons would comply and offer their assistance, at the very least, to just get their name off of this investigation. Well, you see this similarly with um, asking people to take a lie detector. We know that we can't use that in a court of law, but we're going to use it to kind of see how you play play out this hand. Right. And so the thing, though, that really kind of I'm really going the way of, yes, they have DNA. And I've always kind of been that way on this on this case. But I feel like the longer that we look into it, the the stronger my feeling is in my the higher my confidence level gets that they do have DNA. And so it just doesn't make any sense to me when people I, I I'm leaning your way. I have some reservations about it, but at the end of the day, it's like, why would they keep bringing up the idea that they're going to test individuals? And even law enforcement kind of said, look, it would be 
they'd be very surprised if if Edder is is connected in any way. But is it just uh, a statement that they're making to the public to let them know we're doing everything in our power? Yeah. Well, not only that, you have you have the public saying this guy's a suspect. And if, if the public considers him a suspect, then law enforcement better as well, at least to the mm-hmm. point of check into him. Like you said, he's been checked and then move on to your next guy. And I, I think that's where the argument comes in, where people start to question if there's DNA because they're going, oh, there's been all these suspects in the public's eye. Right. The police and investigators and FBI are saying we're checking into this guy that we've been made aware of now because he's been arrested for something else. And then we never hear anything as far as the guy being cleared. And like you pointed out, mm-hmm. that's for good reason. They've already said early on that they are not going to clear anyone, whether they whether they get somebody's DNA and they compare it to what they have on yeah. file the sample that was left at the crime scene and they might go, yeah, he's been checked. He's been checked. We know they may know that that person did not do it, but they're not going to say that publicly until, as you said, captain, somebody is sitting in court and sitting through the court, the, the trial process. Well, and let's break that down a little bit because that didn't make a lot of sense to me. Why, why would you not state, that somebody's cleared if you cleared them. And and one of the things that they were saying is that if you come out publicly and say, uh, Logan, for example, you know, the girls were found on Logan's property. Logan was arrested on other charges. If they go through and check alibis and do some things, they go, okay, well, Logan is cleared. And then it comes back that he's not cleared and they arrest him and they go to trial that just the statement that the law enforcement at one point cleared this individual. That could be reasonable doubt. Right. That gives the jury reasonable doubt. And so that makes a lot more sense. And because then you're fighting an uphill battle, you're, you're now saying, well, at one point we cleared this individual, but now, uh, no. And, and so if, if at one point law enforcement said this person wasn't involved, that would, like you said, gives you probable cause to go, well, I, uh, or gives you reasonable doubt to go, you know, if they weren't sure at one point, how am I supposed to be sure? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the other thing that really strengthens my belief that they do have DNA one, I'm just going back to the beginning and realizing and knowing and reminding myself that they said they had it at one point. And I see that it's disappeared from their narrative. I'm fine with that. And I get why I think that is. And I think it's smart. And I'll get into that in just a second. But the thing that really strengthens my belief that there is DNA here is they're requesting it from a dead man. And we know this to be true per per the news reports that were coming out last week. And on top of that, the way that the, the wording that they use when they state that is that they requested it shortly after this guy committed suicide, mm-hmm. shortly after Paul Etter killed himself. Well, so the thing the thing is, it's no longer a scare tactic if there's nobody to scare, right? It's just right. simply yeah. collecting evidence at this point. And so that really strengthens it for me on that level. And then I've recently viewed a, a short interview where um, – Kim Riley, one of the officers, one of the investigators with the 
state police. Mm-hmm. He's not the, on the local level. He's on the state police where he, here's the thing with these, with these, with the investigators here, they're all doing a very good job. They're, they're trying to field and answer as many questions as possible. They do have a, let's say script or a narrative to try to stick to that they've all agreed upon. But on occasion, because they are being so transparent or, or at least with what, what they're willing to share mm-hmm. and their availability to be in front of the public and to answer questions on occasion, you can catch a little bit of a slip where you're like, Oh, I don't know that they were supposed to l- say it like that. Or well, and think about all the emotions that they're carrying around. Yeah. With them. So in one, in one of these little news clips, I saw Kim Riley stating, you know, basically he's being asked if you have DNA or if you have so much evidence on this guy, why hasn't there been an arrest? And he was saying, well, there, there's, we, and he's trying to be hypothetical, but you can tell in a way he's probably talking about what's actually going on with the case. He says, you know, well, we might have a situation here where this person has never done anything before, and we just don't have any way of tracking him down or tracing this individual. Right. So that really, that statement to me really makes me feel like the police at least believe that they're working on a suspect that bridge guy has not been convicted of anything where he would have his DNA profile already submitted to CODIS. And then when, when he goes further to say, wouldn't have anything to track, no way to trace this individual. That also makes me wonder if they have fingerprints as well, but they're just not in the system that we do have stuff. We just, we need to find the right, guy the right person bring him forward and and have his fingerprints and or dna to compare this to and so i i feel good that i think that it's there i think the reason why you go back and you go back and you go oh shit we talked about dna let's kind of just drop that from the story and not bring it up again because and then there's other times where we have somebody like daniel nations who says i submitted my dna and you never hear from police saying that they that yeah we asked him to do so or he did submit it anything like that they just say he's somebody we're not really that interested in i think the other thing if you do in fact have dna or as some guys up in the amy mahalovic case like to say bait in the net so i always thought that was a strange way to word it but if you do in fact have dna you might want to drop that from the narrative just for the fact that you want this guy to slip up. Wait, now, why, why do you find that weird bait, baiting the net? I just saw. Uh, so when when uh, the investigators it's a wa- at Watertown, right? I mean, they're they're by water, right? But what I mean by that is when they're asked if they have DNA, um, most of the time their answer is, "Well, we have bait in the net," rather than just giving you a. A clear yes general, no, right, right, right? Clear general understanding. Okay. Sometimes they've given a better answer than that, but but for a <laughs> well, while yeah, they were sticking the to that bait in the net kind of thing, yeah. which is fine. Um, anyway, what I was getting at though, Captain, is here you have a situation where if you do have DNA of this guy and he is not in the system, he has not committed any offenses that he's been caught for to the point where he would be in the system. Now you're going, you know what, let's drop that from the narrative because we wouldn't mind terribly if he goes out and commits an offense and gets caught for it. Right. 
I mean, we're nobody saying, nobody's suggesting, hey, go out and and murder somebody so we can catch this guy. Well, I'm, what we're what we're you're hoping for is could he get picked up for a DUI? Could he could he do something dumb? You know, anything that would warrant a felony arrest, from my understanding, in Indiana, now you are forced to submit your DNA. So right, you, so let's you get be this clear. guy driving drunk home from 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 a bar one night. Right, right, right. But you let, might end up catching your guy. But let's be clear about that. So every state is different, but in the state of Indiana, if you are arrested with something that you can be charged a felony for. You don't have to actually be charged. You don't have to actually go through the process and, and be found guilty. But when you're arrested, they'll swab your DNA and they're going to take your fingerprints and all that. That's stuff. how they enter you into the system. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think you were saying that that didn't pass until 2017, and and then they don't implement it until 2018 or whatever. That yes, that's my understanding of of the way that it's going down in Indiana. And as you said, it gets difficult for us to remember. There's 50 states, and they're all kind of doing that stuff a little different from from state to state. Here's the other thing, though. Paul Etter is, in fact, we, we know that they went after his DNA. According to the words that they chose to use, it made it sound like it was shortly after he killed himself. So now we're looking at a month ago. You would think if he is the guy, he's not alive for you to even bother talking to him. Right, I but feel they could like be trying to gather more information. That's true. Just because we've not heard does not mean he's not the guy. But do you think he makes a good suspect? Because the initial the the thing I jump to immediately is yes, Paul Edder's a, a horrible individual. Uh he abducted and raped a woman, but he let her go. We're looking for a killer, not a not yeah. necessarily just a rapist. And but, we don't know right, the, the 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 mounds of possibilities are are endless, and 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 that gets a little um, it can make everything convoluted. But I think what we we have here is an individual that possibly could look like Bridge Guy. I mean, we're only seeing just like a headshot of this individual. But you go, okay, here's this guy that has uh, committed crimes before, violent crimes, sexual in nature. Is it possible that he he did this uh, double murder and then uh, kind of went on a spree, if you, if you will, that or or ha- had a you know weird universe? Uh, the universe puts, um, for lack of a better word, prey right by his house, and that early morning he attacks her for whatever reason. Maybe he knows that this has gone too far. We've seen this with other killers, with other attackers. Where they, uh, where afterwards they'll say I'm never doing this again, or or they take their own life. Maybe he knew he was going to take his own life, and for whatever reason, it's like okay, I did this double murder. That's been on my mind. Now I did this. Uh, this uh, basically torture is what it was. Um, the sexual assault, rape, torture. I'm going to take my own life, and maybe that's why he let her go, and and then he takes his own life. I mean, I mean, I understand that there's a five hour standoff, but we, we can't know for sure what was going through this guy's head, but it, it, that's a possibility. So when people say, well, he let this other uh, victim go and he didn't let, you know, that that rules him out. And so so many people's mind, I'm like, I don't think that rules out anything because we don't know what's going on in this sick individual's mind. Right, I agree. I, I, but I tend to lean toward 
I, I don't know that I'd make him the top suspect partly in part just because he did let that future victim go. And from the way I'm, I'm viewing this thing, it looks to me like he may have got away with that. And I hate to say this out loud. He may have got away with that whole attack and rape if he had not let her go. And it's right, just right, right. the, well, and the other thing that makes me question it too is, but age, again, is his age. Well, and that's what I wonder because he had to have some knowledge that she had knowledge of where he was from. And maybe she didn't know that area that well, but where she broke down. And so by letting her go, it's almost like you're setting free the person that is going to basically be your downfall and the reason why you get captured. But again, yeah, if, you're, if your what, vehicle breaks down in front of this guy's house and he comes walking out or in front right. of his property and he, he very clearly comes walking out and you go, well, he must have lived there. I mean, that's probably the first thing you're going to say. You might not know the, the numerical of the address that, right. that you broke down in front of, but you're going to go, hey, I was on, on uh, I, such and such street. Yeah, yeah, last week I had the note, I had the street name in my notes, but yeah, you could go, I was right around this area on such and such street. Guy comes out of his house four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And, um, and then you can identify the guy. And what's interesting to me about the whole connection with with Edder is um, he kind of a, has a bulbous nose. Mm-hmm. Would you say it's bulbous? Yeah. And I've actually, yes. <laughs> well, and I'm, I'm using that term uh, uh, for in this case, because I've actually seen several videos where they're doing new profiles of bridge man. And they start talking about that. He has a, a characteristic that we haven't noticed in the past. And I've actually seen this from at least two individuals where they're saying he has a character that we didn't notice, but now we notice he has a bulbous nose. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that is these online armchair detectives, if this is their way of them shifting the narrative. Okay, well, we have this guy in custody. Is he a perfect match for a bridge guy? No. Uh, like you said, logically, he attacks one, uh, attacks two individuals, kills them, lets another one go. That doesn't seem to line up, really. But um, he's he's fifty five, and yeah, which would be past the actual age range that they they gave us, right? From yeah, from the most recent press conference, the the big one that kind of blew everything up in April. They're saying eighteen to forty is the age that they believe that they're looking for. And so even, you know, even two years ago, Paul Etter would have been 53. Now I am sitting here looking at a mugshot of his from 2012. I'm not, I don't have a full understanding of what his charge would have been back then, but it appears to be a mugshot from 2012. Right. So seven years ago, he would have been 48. I will I will say this about Paul. He could probably, now mind you, this is a very small sample size. He's bald. If he had ha- hair, it would help quite a bit more. But I, I could maybe see him passing for 43 in this picture. Yes. And he would be about 48. So he does look younger or appear younger than what he is, which that's also part of what they said in their release that we're looking for someone probably between the ages of 18 and 40 
who may appear younger than their actual age. Right. But the, the tricky thing here, though, is didn't they also claim in this description that the, that the perpetrator bridge guy had, you know, kind of a reddish hair? Well, and, in and, the first sketch, yes. The first sketch that was released, it appears to be reddish hair. I don't. What were they saying about the second sketch? Did they give I, I a thought, hair color for that one as I well? I thought that's the one that they said reddish. Okay. And so that that makes me question. I mean, when people still bring up Logan because uh, the girls were found on Logan's property, again, clearly Logan has gray hair. Clearly, Etter has, uh, you know, salt and pepper hair, I would say, but leaning more gray. So I don't know. Uh, well, unless, to- unless that... I have some issues, and I think anybody should have issues with the idea that you have a you have two sketches that they claim were happened at the same time. They went with one over the other. They look like two different individuals to me. I'm having a real hard time. The more um, we dive into this case, I'm having a hard time actually believing any of this as far as eyewitnesses go. Well, I think I think somebody that's still of very big interest to me is Thomas Bruce, who is thankfully in jail waiting on something to happen with his current case. Right. Where he is facing a murder charge and sexual assault and rape charges. He's the one that went into the Catholic supply store for and ordered the women to the back of the 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 establishment right and attacked and assaulted and killed one of them there the way that this thing goes down and i can't remember i know we went through his timeline somewhat but he left the store at one point under the guise of going out to get a credit card from his car which he returns and i i'm assuming that's when he went out and got the gun from mm. his vehicle and this guy is weird, too, because, again, the age is wrong with him. The The difference between him and Paul Etter is we know Thomas Bruce to be a killer. The thing that also I find fascinating about Thomas Bruce is it doesn't appear that he's been in any kind of trouble before this strange attack right? that results in the murder. And I, I don't know. I, I'm... I'm not saying that Thomas Bruce is the guy. I'm just saying on the on the outside looking in, he looks a little more like the guy to me in a sense that it seems like he committed a crime of opportunity that maybe when he did enter that store the first time, I mean, look, we know he left the store and came back. Mm-hmm. So there was something in his plan that he needed from the vehicle or something that he needed to readjust before he carried out the attack. Or he wasn't 100% planning on attacking the place when he first walked in there. Yeah, how many individuals were in there? I think it was three women were in there. And and again, so logic would tell you, okay, well, so Edder attacks a single female. And then, obviously, Libby and Abby being two females. But in this other case with Bruce, then you go, well, he, he had no problem going, hey, there's three people. I can control this. In his brain. Right? right. And so that's the same scenario as Libby and Abby. So you're out in a park. You see these two girls walking, and you think that's an opportunity. And I, right. I really think that that narrows down the individual quite a bit 
because there's a lot of individuals that they're not going to try to control two two victims. They're not going to try to to tell most of these perpetrators that's too big of a situation. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, logic would tell you that that's a good match. Yeah, and the other thing too is Thomas Bruce was even let's say he did not plan on attacking those women at the Catholic supply store until after he went in there the first time. He obviously was prepared to do something like that in some form or fashion, even right. just to the point where he needed to go out to his vehicle and get something possibly. And that's what I think he, I th- think this dude had a, had a kill kit rape kit in his vehicle yeah. and he saw an opportunity or maybe he was planning on, maybe he was, watching and casing the place and saw his opportunity and right but he goes and retrieves the kill kit rape kit from from the vehicle right again same type of thing though is you don't know who's going to be on the trails you don't know who's going to be at the park that day but you just bring the stuff with you but you were prepared to do something if if an opportunity presented itself right which again same as the first attack The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL Learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so 
with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need to pack a lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. So 
Let's talk about the suspect's age. One thing that I find, and the sketches as well. So one thing that I find completely fascinating, like, like you were saying, when you see these two sketches, they're completely different from one another. And, uh, and that's frustrating as hell. Right. In a whole bunch of ways, they're completely different from one another. And then we have the statement of the suspect. We believe we're looking for a guy between the ages of 18 and 40 who may appear younger than what he is. Well, what's the population on people 18 to 40? I mean, that's a that's 22 years that we're spanning. And then, mm-hmm. okay, so... We've been told that those sketches, both sketches, were developed by eyewitnesses that saw a man matching that description, whether it be sketch A or sketch B, that day near the bridge or on the trails that day, right? right. So, again, it's 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 weird that we have two completely different sketches. And then on top of that, here's here's one thing that I really wonder about the age range here. Because you should be able to look at somebody's face if you're going to describe them to the point where somebody can draw a sketch. You should be able to answer the question of does he look 18 or does he look 40? Rather than, I couldn't decide if it was 18, could have been as late as 40. What I wonder here is because we have the two sketches and they're two so different from one another, are they not ruling out the possibility of either sketch being correct? And, and police are thinking Mm. that he looks younger in one sketch than he does in the other. And therefore now we have a, a a range of 20 to 22 years for the possibility. Well, see, I just wonder at at first, um, based off of eyewitness, based off of the video footage that they had, if they just went, you know what, this this eyewitness gave us this this um, drawing, we were able to look at that drawing, look at Bridgeman, look at the, the video footage that we have, because we're assuming that they have more video footage. The rumor is they have a lot more footage. Um, I could not get that confirmed. I have a weird situation where I do have a contact that actually worked the case. I can't get into that too much. Uh, but some of the information that I have I have passed along to them just to see if they can confirm or deny. Uh, sometimes I don't want to. I don't know how to say this, but I, I think sometimes it's almost like if they can confirm it, like they just won't. Uh, not uh, they're not trying to be jerks or anything, but it's it's so it's almost like uh, you know, like oh, I heard they have a lot more footage. Can you confirm or deny that? And then it's like no answers, but it's really like basically they're confirming what I'm saying. So I think they have a lot more footage um, than, than what they're leading on to believe. And so what What if it's just this simple? I saw this guy on the bridge. Okay, he looks like this. Okay, we do a drawing. That drawing kind of looks like bridge guy, kind of looks like this grainy video footage we have of the individual. You get the next eyewitness. They give you a whole different person. You kind of compare that with bridge guy. Your gut feeling tells you no. You That's why you went with the first drawing. My argument is that we have all these people coming forward. Or not all these people. But we have a handful of people saying, well, we saw these this guy on, on the path. That doesn't mean that they actually saw the killer. They just saw a guy on the path. Right. And that's what I can't get over because I believe this uh, 
where he took them to, to go down by roughly by that service road, keep going down, cross the river. I think that was all by design. And I think it's more than likely it was either to take them to a more remote situation. But even if that was the case and there was no vehicle down there, I either think he was trying to take them to a remote situation and that's where his getaway was. Or it was, let me take him to this remote situation and then whatever happens, happens. But then when I'm leaving, I think this individual knew that area so well that they didn't have to leave back on that path. So then I question, are these, are these eyewitness accounts even of the murderer? Well, we don't know. What we do know is that they tell us that the what we're seeing in the video, the the man in the video, bridge man, is is the killer. And then we're getting these two sketches of people that were seen in the area, on the paths, mm. and the, the the sketches to me are fascinating in the sense of thinking about it this way as well. So. Let's assume in this situation, right, you would assume that you would have one person that you wouldn't know who they are. That's the killer. The killer's not going to come forward and say, no, right. that was me on the path there that day. We find that highly unlikely, okay? Not that it would never happen, but we know it probably has not happened to this point. But it, let's say both of these people and multiple people that offered up this this person that they claim to have seen that day. If we're to believe all of them, then we have two persons, at least two people that don't look anything like each other. So I'm going to go ahead and say two people right. that are unknown to us at this time when we should only have one. And so then you and I were talking about this and you brought up a, a good point and I countered it with a, with a, another good point. You said, well, then it also make now that makes me wonder how many other people you have that you're, that, that are unknown to you. Yeah. It's not like you walk into the park and you check in, you know, or there, there's some like camera that you have to go by and then we can go, well, we know that there was a hundred people there that day and, and 98 of them are accounted for or 99 of them are accounted for. One thing I question in this though, is there a chance that we that there's a person that's been made up that there mm. dive into that further. So what I mean by that is where, where we're sitting here going, okay, if both of these sketches are correct, then we have two people that have not come forward two people that are unknown to us. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you brought up the good point that, well, if you got two, then maybe you have more. And I, I agree with that possibility as well. I also think about the idea of maybe we don't have two people that were there. What if one of these people is just a bad description of, of a person that's already come forward? Right. What, what if for whatever reason, somebody look, they had the best of intentions. They're trying to help. They're misremembering and they're describing somebody that d they didn't really see. They saw somebody else instead, or it's a mashup of multiple people that they saw that day. Right. And we, we also don't know when we're getting these reports. And so, we do know at one point, you know, the, we know, okay, correct me if I'm wrong. 
but we do know that that the father was there looking for the girls yeah derek was there we know he was there because he he was in charge of picking them up that day and i i could see you know somebody giving a bad description and saying that bridge guy kind of looks like him kind of see that i i think uh the, the grandfather looks more like bridge guy number one the drawing again is are there are these people searching are they asking for eyewitnesses did somebody come forward a week later and say yeah i saw this guy and give you a, a bad description and all they saw was um you know derek looking for the girls from my understanding both of those sketches and i'm just going off of words that and mind you they're choosing their words very carefully mm-hmm. but from press conferences and from interviews that police and investigators and state police have done with with the public and the media those two sketches from everything I've seen were developed within 48 hours of the girls going missing. Right. And, and both were both, they came up with both sketches because they were eyewitness statements and, and accounts. And look, you have, uh, was that there's like a meat packing place pretty close by a lot of sex offenders there. There's a lot of sex offenders in the area it's very possible that somebody was just taking a hike, not doing anything bad, uh, but has a record or has a kind of a dark history that is just not going to come forward. I just don't see. And again, we don't know because it's not that that information hasn't been put out there. They're not saying that this eyewitness saw the person coming back through an entrance or an exit. So we don't know where they actually saw this individual. Right. Well, I mean, the look, police I can't probably say, know. Right. The police know. I can't say for certain, but the the things that I'm seeing, reading, hearing is, okay, so we talked a little bit about the flannel shirt man. The flannel shirt man is believed to be one of the witnesses to seeing one of these individuals in the sketch. And I believe, I think the general thought is that flannel shirt man saw what he described to be the first sketch that mm-hmm. came out. Okay. So the slight, the, the older looking of the two, in my opinion. And the thing is it, the way that this has been described is that this man based off of his timeline would have seen the bridge guy on the trail on the five Oh one trail walking away from the Monin high bridge and he's believed it's believed that bridge guy was leaving at that time, leaving the area in the process of doing such. So we know from Derek's statements as well, Derek saw the flannel shirt man when he arrived around three fifteen to pick up his daughter. So that, that would put flannel shirt man and Derek at the intersecting trails at 5.05 and 5.01, around 3.14, 3.15 p.m. Now, Flannel Shirt Guy is going to say that he saw Bridge Guy around this same time, mm-hmm. but he also saw Derek. So we we have a general marker and place marker for where Bridge Guy may have been around 3, let's back it up and say 3.10 to maybe 3.20. And the the thing that I would love to see the most in this guy's statement, in Flannel Shirt Guy's statement, is is it police saying that 
bridge guy was leaving at that time, just basing everything off of the known facts of the case and in their timeline? Or was that that dude's statement? He was leaving. Why would he know if the guy's coming or going or anything different? Mm-hmm. That seems a little strange to me. I would love to know if that's if that's flannel shirt guy's words or if that's the investigator's words. Because that would be about the time he should be leaving. Right. We know they were alive and well at 207. And then we have statements from the family saying that around 3.30 or so, the phone was going straight to voicemail. It wasn't even ringing anymore. The thing is, we have a very, a very small window. Things happened very fast that day once they started going wrong. Right. We're talking th- this attack and murder and everything happened between 207 and 330. And you can even whittle that down faster if you believe some of the other known statements, right? So let's go through this real quick. 207, that picture's taken. There's no bridge guy on the bridge at that time. They say that it would take seven minutes for somebody to walk that bridge. Now that's if you're walking, you're very mindful of your steps. You're 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 watching your steps as you go along. You're being very safe, cautious. I actually think bridge guy moved a lot faster than that. Wasn't so cautious. I think that's what probably alerted the girls that this dude is weird, that he's something is up. Right, or scary. Right. I think they look back on the bridge, and all of a sudden, this guy's on the bridge, and he's moving, and he's moving at a good pace. He's not running. You can't run on that bridge, but he's moving at a good pace, and not only is he moving at a good pace, he's he's watching his steps, and he's turning, and he's checking behind him every now and then to make sure nobody is behind him. Nobody's behind him. And they're, and they're thinking, yeah. What should this guy care if nobody's behind him? And why is he moving so well, he fast? Well, again, so he doesn't want to be seen. So then I, then I question, because did he try to make the girls cross the water or or did they actually make a run for it? You know, uh, I heard somebody say that they think that it was his idea for them to cross, but that's probably where he lost control of them. And that's why they, you know, he took their lives on the other side. But, you know, we don't know the details of how he took their lives. Other than they, we believe there was a weapon involved. So we know that, but then we also know that there's a, a very good possibility, right? What Almost at least a 100% chance that he was wet on some level. And so again, he would he would have to be at some point that day. He 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 was in the water, right? The, and that's again what makes me believe that he didn't backtrack. Okay, now this is done. Let me get back on that main trail. Uh, I know I don't know those trails that and, unless he had to. You know what I mean? I I get what you're saying. I I'm fully because with you because of the because, bridge. Right. So it, when I look at this thing, if you were going to try to plan this out and make it go down without any problems at all. Here's how it goes down. You you see them a little bit after 207. And, and this is the thing. You would actually go down trail 505, the less traveled trail. The 501 leads to the Monon High Bridge, okay? But on the 505, when you walk down there and you get Creekside, 
I'm wondering if there's a spot down there because what happens is picture a V, right? The, the trails start off together and they don't, when I say intersecting, it's not an X, it's more of a, of a thin V mm-hmm. where one goes off to, to one side a little bit, but you're basically walking these trails and, and, and a friend of yours could walk on the other and, and, and really you just have a small tree line separating you for a while and then it extends, it extends, it extends and you get a little further and further from one another. But what I'm getting at is somebody could sit there could post up on the 505 down there near the creek and you could spot people coming, I'm guessing, because I've never been there. But I would think that you might be able to see people approaching the bridge from your viewpoint. And if you see what you think to be your possible victims, mm-hmm. there is just two people, there's nobody else with them, and there's nobody else around or on the bridge at that time, that's when you, you don't have to go back out to that main trail. You could cut across and really you're going to end up right at the front of the bridge. And so at two Oh seven, they're fine. But this guy didn't take seven minutes to move across that bridge. He moved across that bridge in, in five or four. He, he was faster. He was moving faster than if somebody was watching their steps, mm-hmm. he scooted across that bridge. That puts us at, 12 after two. And then he is, if we're to believe that the eyewitness statement is correct and it is in fact bridge guy, then that puts him back at that intersection of the trail and out one hour later. So a lot of things have happened during that time. And I'm with you though, captain, if you were to plan this thing out perfectly, once you see them get to the other side of the bridge, they're completely compromised. Now you go, well, all of most likely anybody that could help them or anybody could that could view what I'm doing, they're on the backs they're on this other side of the bridge. Right. The girls are on the opposite side of the bridge. That's where I'm gonna get them, that's where I'm gonna take control. If you I mean you just watch the words and you, you map out a quick little location of where they were found, you can see down the hill, across this little uh driveway that that actually looks like a road. And then it's down the hill more across the creek. And then they're found right there. Both of their bodies are found right there. If you were to plan this out perfectly, you probably would have parked your vehicle in the graveyard where there are little roads that go back by the trees. You could have put your vehicle over there. And after killing them, you could have walked through the woods up to the graveyard, never going on a trail again. Mm Mm-hmm. The only trail you have anywhere near you on that opposite side of Deer Creek are the horse trails for Ron Logan's farm, but those aren't, those are horse trails. They're not traveled by the, the people that are visiting the bridge or the park. So that yeah, would but, be the, but the if, you, if you wanted to, to not be seen after the attack, that would be your, where you would really want to park your car. Now, the issue could be though. He, he didn't know that he didn't know exactly where he was going to do this attack or exactly how it was going to go down. And maybe his vehicle was left elsewhere beforehand. Mm-hmm. And one thought is the, the vehicle that was parked at the abandoned building, which that would have required him to go back up that trail in, in the opposite way. You would probably try to walk off the trail as much as possible, but at some point you might have to pop back onto that that trail 
Well, it's getting hard to kind of visualize some of this stuff because, like, the entrance where the, the girls were dropped off at, I believe they have, like, a new gate there. So that looks different than the day of, of the murders. And then where the abandoned car was, there's no abandoned, or, well, where the car was by the abandoned building, there's no abandoned building anymore. So, um, but it kind of looks like a little service road in between like a highway where that car would be parked and then it would be facing, depending on where you were parking, you'd be looking right at the Freedom Bridge. Yeah, so you have, yeah, you have the, what was that? Highway 25 is right there on your, on, to your left. Here's an interesting thing to think of though too. Okay, so if that was his car, at the, parked at the abandoned building, he would have had to walk back up the five o the five o one trail, the the most heavily traveled trail, and make his way up that way. Most likely, I'm sure there's probably ways to do that. But keep in mind, you have the Mears Farm. A lot of this property right here are the is belongs to the Mears family or Mears family. And remember, you you mentioned that Mike Patty looks something like the bridge guy. In your opinion, he he might not have been able to been mistaken for bridge guy because, given the timeline we have, he would not have been at the park or near the bridge at the time that the witness saw bridge guy. But their statement in the press conference from four twenty two of this year. Their exact words, police were, we are seeking the public's help to identify the driver of a vehicle that was parked at the old CPS slash DCS welfare building in the city of Delphi that was abandoned on the east side of County Road 300 North next to the Hoosier Heartland Highway. That's also Highway 25. Between the hours of noon to five on February 14th, 2017. And then it says in this presser, Uh, No, it has been updated. That date was misspoken. It should have been February 13th, which was the day the girls went missing. So this CPS DCS welfare building was a, um, like a, like a child support building at one time. Right. And so it was like a government city building, but it was abandoned at the time on February 13th, 2017 they're asking for the driver of a vehicle and well it makes you wonder are they just going okay we we saw this vehicle nobody in it or saying hey uh, we want to identify the driver of this vehicle are they saying that there's a there was a driver in it at that time um i i don't know it's not clear enough no right and so that changes the whole dynamic, right? We're looking for this driver that was in the car. That changes the whole dynamic, right? If you were parked there or they're, know who... Because they're saying the driver. If you were parked there or you know who was parked there, it's like, uh, were you in the well, car? Well, yeah, the car didn't kill the girls. They're looking, they're looking for an individual. Well, no, but what I'm saying is that, you know, they're not saying we're, we're looking for the owner of the car. No. They're saying the driver of the car. Right. Somebody put that car there. Somebody moved that car later. Right. That's who they're looking for. Saying if going on to say, if you parked there or know who was parked there, please contact 
the officers at the command post at the Delphi City Building. But again, that doesn't mean that 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 is your killer. But that's a right. very quick way to go when you start going, okay, well, where did he park? Because that's that's a really big question that, that nobody usually gets to when they start talking about Delphi, in my opinion, is this guy left some way. He left the area somehow. He fled the area after the attack. We don't know what time he got there. We could assume, I would assume he probably arrived before the girls did. He may have arrived long enough before where he was. he's waiting this thing out and looking for a victim. I don't, I don't feel like it's highly likely that he just arrives and immediately spots a victim. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem likely to me. There were other people there that day. Uh, he didn't choose some of them in my opinion. Right. Right. Well, and, and I, I think that's why if this is premeditated, like in, in the sense that they, this killer knew going and going to this park, going to these trails that he's going to do this, you know, the, the service road by the bridge, you know, down the hill, like, like we said, whether it's a driveway or a service bridge or a service road, or, or well, it's it's a road that becomes a, a driveway to a residence, right? And then, but then there's also uh, once you cross the water a little bit further down, I, I believe there's some access there further down. I believe if the, if the person knew this killer goes there knowing they're going to try to do this, that their truck or car is going to be parked somewhere there, not so much at an entrance or at a where people could see this individual. That's my gut feeling. Oh yeah. No, I agree 100% with you. That's why I said he would have been parked in the, the graveyard would be the right, right. Would yeah, be the yeah. most likely spot. I mean, and the, the problem Which, with parking. So, so where you would put your vehicle, if you wanted to park closest. All right. It well, would be I like the whole thing's The going. whole thing's a crime scene, right? The whole place is a crime scene from the minute he stepped on the ground to the moment he left. Yeah. Every, everything that his feet touched is a crime scene. However, if you were to plan this out in great detail and everything go your way, then ideally you would park, you would want your vehicle, I believe to be as close to the ending point of your crime scene. Right. Then the beginning point of your crime scene, because you're going to, if this is a messy murder, there's any number of ways that you can look different at the end of this crime than you would walking step, stepping foot onto the crime scene for the first time. Yeah. You know, we already talked about his jeans likely were wet. He, he went through the water at some point that day. We, there's no question about that. Unless he, unless this fucker can hover. He went through the water mm-hmm. that day. Okay. That would make a good shirt. And then on top of that, he very likely could have had blood on his person or on his belongings somewhere. Mm-hmm. And either of those are giant red flags. Keep them. They were looking for missing girls that day. They weren't looking for murdered girls that day. They were looking for missing girls that day. They weren't looking for a murder suspect that day. He got away. He fled pretty undetected. Whether he was seen by the flannel shirt guy or not, he fled pretty undetected. So if if you were to map this thing out and carry it out the exact way that you would want to, ideally you want to put your vehicle as close to the ending point of the crime and the crimes in the crime scene as possible. 
Well, right, and instead of just having it on a residential drive or right. or some other road that that would stick out like a sore thumb. But if you park at the at the graveyard, right? The, yeah, if you park at the here's the problem with that very spot. You could park at the graveyard and be okay, I would think. The other the areas that are as close to you as the graveyard, mind you, we're going from right where the bodies were found. The other areas that you could park that would be close to you at that point, that's private property. That that belongs belongs to Ron Logan. That belongs to the Mears family. That seems quite a bit more risky to me than parking at the graveyard. Yeah, unless unless you know you know Logan's whereabouts or you know the family. But still again, if you're going there with the idea that you're going to commit a crime, if you know these individuals, you don't want them to be able to say, oh yeah, I saw I saw this guy's vehicle on, on my property that day. I think the graveyard makes the most sense too because it's like there had to be some other visitors, right? So it's not so suspicious if you have a car that's, you know, there's, I can't see anybody here. Oh, they might have parked and walked down to a grave and 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 spending a little time at the grave. I mean, the graveyard was was it a working graveyard? Um, it seems to be right. I I I know what you mean. I and I sorry for laughing there, but I I do think that yes, you that it's still spots are available. Is what I think you mean right. by that. And if you look at it on Google Map, there is a picture a uh, rectangle. Okay, and right off of the road. I thought you were going somewhere else with that. The road west 300 north. Mm-hmm. So if you look off of 300 north, you have the graveyard right there on one side of the road. Now, the graveyard is lined out like a big rectangle, which it has a a, a drive. You can drive in, go all the way to the back of the property, and I believe at the tree line, you can actually go across the tree line and then then head back out the other way. So you have two running roads or drives from 300 north that basically encompass this graveyard. There's places to drive and what I'm getting at here too is you can you could drive a, a fair distance away from the road and put your vehicle back by by the tree line. And there's also a little center crossing uh, section as well that you can drive on. Now, I don't know how the width of those, if they're, you know, two lanes both ways, or if it's just a single lane, usually with the, in a, uh, graveyard type setting, usually it's just a single lane to make it easier for people to access different parts of the graveyard to, to visit, uh, people. But here's another really interesting thought, captain. We have an eyewitness, several eyewitnesses actually Mm -hmm. saying that they saw an individual who's not come forward. We don't know who either of them are. It could just be one person could be two. Um, I don't want to mix words here. I don't think that there's two killers. I think there's one killer. Well, I think the cops would know that based off the, the audio and video footage. Yeah. And, but here's the thing with there being no vehicle description, police love a vehicle description. They would rather have a vehicle description than a person description. They love it. It's easier to find the car. It's easier to find the car. It's harder to harder to hide the car. We don't have one here. So 
I wonder a little bit, did this guy arrive on foot and leave on foot? Now, it seems a little confusing maybe to people that are not from the area, but if you do a type up some some maps, you know, bring up any map. Go get the maps. And you you bring up some directions and you play around with it. One thing I found, you could walk. You actually, the distance is shorter walking than it is driving because of the way that the roads are laid out in this particular area. So you could walk from the middle of the Monin High Bridge mm-hmm. and you could be at East Main Street, Delphi, and it's a 1.2 mile walk. You would have to go over the Freedom Bridge for the shortest route. But that would be the direction that it's believed that bridge guy, if in fact he was the killer, mm-hmm. but the, the flannel shirt man says that he saw bridge guy on the 501 trail heading toward the freedom bridge at about 310 to 320. Somebody could walk. That's crazy. Somebody could walk from the middle of the Monon high bridge to East main street, Delphi, be it, be in Delphi. 1.2 miles. Right. So about 15 to 17 minutes. Yeah. 15 to 20 minutes. Well, let me tell you a little story to open up some possibilities. I'll, I'll make it quick. So I, I was interned for a long time as a recording engineer. At this point, like I, I, I didn't do a lot of sessions. I didn't, I had knowledge of this stuff, but I, I, I have never done it myself other than like maybe bringing in some of my buddies to record. So they said, uh, my boss says to me, Hey, there's a night session. Do you want to do it? And of course I was nervous and said, no, I don't really want to do it. He goes, well, no, I'm going to set it up. It's easy. Two microphones on this piano. All you have to do is hit record and stop the guy. He's, he's from Athens, Ohio. What's that? About an hour and a half away. Yeah, roughly. A drive. Mm-hmm. He's from Athens. He's a great kind of jazzy, bluesy piano player. We had this great piano, but it wasn't tuned, and we had some rattles in the low end, but the guy didn't really care. It was just demo, and so my boss was giving him a discount because the piano wasn't working perfectly. So we go and record three or four tunes, and after after two or three songs, this guy's just playing live. He'd come back in and listen. This guy's very scruffy. He has um, a book bag with him and, and a guitar case, you know, that you'd wear as book bag. So I go out to make some coffee, and then I go out to my car, and I realize he has no car there. And I'm thinking, well, this is strange. So we we're almost done with the session, and I see he has this guitar case. So I unzip the guitar case because I just want to see what guitar he has in the bag, right? Um, I shouldn't have done that, but I did. Anyways, there was a, I see um, a gun. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I'm freaked out of my mind. So in the session, uh, I, 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 I'm back in the day. I had to have to make a CD for him. Here you go. Take this with you. And I said, uh, somebody coming to get you. Uh, and he said, yeah. So he, get, uh, he leaves, pays. I clean up the studio, go to leave probably five minutes after him. 
I start driving. I don't see him anywhere around. You you know, remember the studio is really far back. Mm-hmm. Five minutes later, I'm I'm driving probably on uh, thirty three, and I see him walking. This guy walked all the way from Athens, set up a recording session, walked all the way from Athens, played his songs, took paid me, took the CD. And started walking back. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know if he was meeting somebody somewhere. But he was walking on the freeway. My point of this long story. Is because one I, I always think about that gun. And how much how, how freaked out I was. But the point of the story is. This individual could have walked. From. Really far away. And, and I, I hate to be the guy that t- to say there's so many possibilities, but this guy booked a session, walked an hour and a half, played five or six songs, and then took off walking back. It's not out of the realm of possibilities. Well, and not only that, in this situation, I'm, I'm bringing this up for a couple different reasons. One, East Main Street, Delphi. One mile, 1.2 miles from the bridge. 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. So this guy, I mean, there's there's plenty of houses over there. This guy could have lived in a neighborhood near there and just walked home. He could have parked anywhere really within 1.2 miles of the bridge. He could have parked in any of these neighborhoods that are a mile and a half from the bridge. Yeah. And so he doesn't necessarily have to be parked at the abandoned building or parked in the graveyard or parked on Ron Logan's property. He very likely could have been parked in an area that nobody would found to have been suspicious at all because it's a a heavy, heavily traveled area. It's, it's an area where there's a lot of cars parked on the side of the road, right? But he parks in a a busy parking lot somewhere, but you have to be careful of those areas because if it's a busy parking lot, then you have the possibility of being seen if you're covered in blood mud or water so, right you know so th- I, I get what you're saying and and th- and that's what's so frustrating about this case though is as every time i'm i'm looking into it i start feeling like i'm getting somewhere and then the doors of the possibility just are blown open and and i wonder i, I wonder if it's going to be another situation where if we don't hear anything in, in six months to a year, if they're going to have to keep putting out information that they know, because they have to be getting a lot of leads. I mean, this case is highly covered on YouTube. I mean, there's seems like there's a million armchair de- detectives uh, working on this case, like solely working on this case, not like, Hey, we covered this case. And we moved on to another case the following week, like people that are just like, that's all they're doing. Well, and that's why I think it's important to examine the possibilities and the reasons why this has not been solved. You ever meet someone who seems kind of off, whether it's a creepy neighbor or random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by name, address, phone number, email, and more. Truthfinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today.